Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to my life. Today's episode, I have two very special guests. I have my girls, Sammy and Zhao, here on this episode today to talk about the recent Asian hate crimes that have been happening. I'm sure you all guys are aware of what is happening around us, but if you aren't, then now you do. But without further ado, let me let them introduce themselves. Welcome, guys. Hey, everyone. All right, so I'm Sammy. Um, I am from Flushing, Queens, New York. To so shout out to everybody from Queens. Um, I'm a Chinese American, and I met Alyssa through our study abroad program last year. We went to Singapore and Malaysia together. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Thanks Hi, for coming. <laughs> Oh my God. Thank you for inviting us on, Alyssa. Uh, hi, guys. This is Zhao. Um, I'm also Chinese American. I'm from Long Island, New York. And I also met Alyssa on Study Abroad. Yeah. Can you believe that? Like, we've met over, like, it was like over a year ago. And we haven't seen each other since, like, Hot Pot, since, like, the after the trip ended. And it's like a year later, we went to um, this past Sunday, we went to the protest in Chinatown for the Asian hate crimes. And that was like the first time we saw each other since the trip. That's crazy. But yeah, guys, like I know with everything that's been going on recently, the shooting, just the assault on our elders and other members of our community like it's crazy because it's just one incident after the other after the other and because of social media this shit has been like rapidly spreading and I'm glad that it is getting the attention that it deserves now but the truth of the matter is that these hate crimes and like racism has been an ongoing thing in this country so it's nothing new to us but like how are you guys feeling just about the whole thing so i felt very uneasy when it first started happening and it was more or less just like small small attacks it was like more verbal less physical and then it it grew into something bigger which was like much worse and it wasn't until then that the larger media companies really picked up on it and was you know actually being like, hey, you know, drawing people's attention to it and what's happening in our community. But before then, it would just be like verbal assaults, like, you know, letters to to businesses and, and just like the overall, um, the overall just just how people treated um, people in our community when when the coronavirus thing just like first happened. And of course, like, before then, there was also certain mistreatments, but in more of a subtled way. And, you know, it's yeah. really hard to, like, identify those or even if we do speak out on those, it's just hard for someone else that aren't in our shoes to, like, really wrap their head around it. And it just for me, it just felt uneasy because, like, we all have parents who are older. Some of our parents have, like, a language barrier. And, you know, having them go out, just do their regular errands around town just, like, scares me a little because it's like, oh, what if they're, they're the one getting verbally harassed? Or, you know, God forbid, what if they're the ones being physically harassed by someone else? Um, and, like, can they ask, can they 
ask for help you know it's the language barrier is like it's hard if you call the police like could they explain themselves like how would i be available to them if any such thing occurred so just all overall just the uneasy feeling just in the like every day-to-day thing right for sure i mean like just to piggyback of what zal mentioned like i mean racism has always been a thing like we've experienced it like every single day but like during this past year it just like made everything just so much more like emphasized and almost made it like almost very convenient for some people who just had it within them to just take advantage of the situation and just like expose all these microaggressions towards the Asian community. Um, And again, like what the most recent attack like in Atlanta, just like that one specifically for me, like really stood out because of the idea of like targeting small businesses with these women who are working these particular jobs. Like I have a mom who runs a small business in Flushing she does hair for a living. This has been our career for like however many years that brought my brother and I like through college. She's an immigrant. And so like seeing that situation like in Atlanta just like hit pretty hard for me. And like, it just was not only like a wake up call, but just like a huge alarming situation that just triggers like so much more that we see these past few days. Yeah. I mean, with all these hate crimes, like Again, like they've always been happening, not just to the Asian community, but just in general, it's always been happening. But because of the pandemic and because of certain leadership whose name I'm not going to mention in this podcast, but certain leadership really perpetuated the whole China virus and Kung flu, which did, you know incite and invigorate this already existing hate and racism within people, which then emboldened people to be overtly racist and then do all these things. And it definitely like when you see these things happening in the in the news, although they aren't happening to you directly, because you identify with the within the same community, you are being traumatized and assaulted vicariously through the other people that are being the victims to these crimes. And I've always felt like people just weren't listening to us. And I've always felt that people never really recognized the Asian American community and the Asian American experience. Um, I feel like we're always just forgotten and swept to the side. And I'm glad now that these issues are being brought to the light and that now people are speaking up about how we aren't the model minority and like how we are not silent and that we transcend beyond our stereotypes. And so I kind of just wanted to ask you guys, how has this whole stream of situations like shifted the way you do things or the way you think? I feel like, I mean, definitely when I go out now, I'm very cautious of my surroundings. I mean, like, aside from, like, being, or aside from, like, just being, like, Asian and, like, having these hate crimes go on, like, 
there was another case, I think in London, where this girl, she was like walking home. I think her name was Sarah. I forgot like her last name, but like she was um, just like walking home and she was like assaulted by a police officer and she was like found murdered. And so like, I carry around like pepper spray with me, like wherever I go now, just because yeah, I do. It's like on my keychain, like with my coach, like pink banana wallet. It's like super cute. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I just carry this as like safety precaution, like wherever I go now. So like, in addition to like all these hate crimes going on, it's just like almost like a no brainer. Like I need like some kind of protection just to feel safe. Even if I'm just Mm -hmm. like walking to my car. Because, like, yeah. you really never know what could happen. Exactly. You never know. You never, never know. Yeah. Um, I don't have pepper spray, but I definitely am cautious when I'm out. Um, I'm usually traveling with someone. Like, I'm, like, with my mom a lot to, like, just go with her to run errands and do things. But, like, if I have to do it myself, you know, um, I usually do it in familiar areas where, like, I already know the way home and stuff like that. And just being extra aware of my surroundings and like, I I don't really want to venture out to like any unknown places that I haven't been to before without someone, you know, accompanying me. Yeah. What's crazy is that all of this is happening like against the backdrop of the whole pandemic. So it's like, We have this whole pandemic going on. We have to be socially distant away from people and protect ourselves from the virus one. And then because we are women too, and then all these Asian hate crimes are happening, we are Asian women. That's like an extra two layers of like danger that we have to face when we go out. And it's so ridiculous. And we are not the only group of people in this country that have to constantly think of our own safety. Obviously, the Black community has to think of these things and other BIPOC brothers and sisters have to think of these things as well. But it's just, I'm like, my takeaways since the protests and like from all of these events happening is that I now know what it feels like to have my life being targeted. Like I know now what it feels like to be in constant fear of getting attacked or having my parents be attacked or any of my Asian friends being attacked because like racism is just no matter what anyone says, like it's a part of our existence. But never in my life have I had to fight for my life or fight for the right to live and be. And so that really opened my eyes. And even um, when I go into the city, sometimes um, like the city now because of the pandemic is a ghost town. So there's not as many people out on the streets. Usually like before the pandemic, you'd see a lot of office people out on the streets or like a lot of tourists and just a lot of people coming to visit the city and everything. So this, the city would always be crowded. And so I never felt, you know, like I would ever be attacked and, if I would be attacked, someone would be there to help me because the city is just always full of people. But now that the city is kind of empty, 
whenever I go in to hang out with my friends, I'm always like extra cautious. Like I'm always like looking over my shoulder and like staying away from the edge of the train platform just in case like someone tries to push me in front of the train. That like that is this irrational fear that I've always had, but like now more than ever because of these things happening. And like last week, when I went to K-Town, like I actually had to ask my friend to like walk me to my train to like make sure that I was safe because um, the the train I take is the 33rd Street path. Like I have to go to the 33rd Street path station and there's this really, really long type of hallway type thing like when you walk in and it's really sus at night, especially when you're alone and usually I would walk it no problem because it's like, hmm, like there's usually more people around, but um, these days not so much. So I'm like, hey, can you like walk me down this really long ass hall to my train? He's like, hell yeah. Like I know what's going on with the Asian community. It's crazy. It's scary. It's like every single day something new is happening and it's, I don't know, Um it's crazy that now we have to think about protecting our lives like this and we shouldn't have to. Nobody should ever have to feel in constant fear and danger for their lives because of the color of their skin. It's just crazy. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean like growing up in Flushing like it's a predominantly Asian community here. So, like, mm-hmm. growing up, I never had to, like, deal with racism or, like, that never really crossed my mind. Like, even yeah. at school, like, there would be kids who just, like, make jokes here and there. But then, like, we know, like, Queens is, like, literally the most diverse place in the entire world. So, like, right. we're used to seeing, like, so many different kind of people. And really, like, when it comes to white people being in Queens, like, they become the minor- the minority, like, it's yeah. super rare to, like, see them around here. If I see, like, a white kid in my high school, I'm kind of, like, oh, where did you kind of come from? So, yeah, like, going through that transition from, like, leaving Queens to go to a predominantly white college, it was almost, like, culture shock for me in a way. Mm-hmm. And then, like, definitely I had, like, some biases, like, in my mind that there could be, like, people who are a little racist on campus. And, like, luckily I didn't, like, encounter that like, face-to-face or directly. So, like, for me, I feel like I was like pretty lucky to like not have experienced it. Um, I know like Zhao, she experienced like some microaggressions from like professors and stuff that she'll probably share. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh yes, we will. <laughs> um. So yeah, we went to the same school, but like we were on different campuses. Like me and Sammy, we went to the Westchester campus, and like you went to the New York campus. But I had the opportunity to like have one semester in the New York City campus. Um, But overall, yeah, microaggressions, like um, I had a professor, uh, she, she was like a nice old white lady, you know, she kind of ran the student business there. She taught a lot of different courses. Uh, But Mm -hmm. all semester long, she just could not would not I don't know how like she knew my face but didn't know my name because she would call me Jenny which is another Asian girl in in my class or she would call me Mm -hmm. Sophia which was my friend and she like kind of sat next to me but like she 
I even worked for her, by the way. Like, I actually worked for her, but she would not remember my name. And then uh, she was just like, brush it off. And she's like, oh, sorry. And then this happened for like a continuous two to three semesters. At one point, I think she just stopped trying to like figure out what my name is. And she just like would come into my shifts and she would say hi. And then she would leave. Uh, yeah. So th- that was a microaggression. Um, I don't know if it's because my name is hard to pronounce or whatever. The same professor also, like, when she was teaching us about businesses and, like, mannerisms in different countries and while you do business, she kind of, like, subtly hinted at me and, like, pointed to me to get affirmation of, like, what she was saying was correct, which is basically, like, you know, um, in in countries like, you know, Korea or Japan, like, they bow, you know? Uh, to each mm-hmm. other as a sign of respect and so she kind of like pointed towards me to to like reaffirm what she just said which was really weird because I was just like I'm not like I'm not Korean I'm not Japanese and also like I'm Asian American so also like I wouldn't know I never lived that you know uh, but yeah th- those were some of the microaggressions just solely from her there has been more um I don't know if you guys want to go into it. Let me know. (laughs) (laughs) We can go into them all night. We want to hear. No. Um, I mean, with that whole thing, like how lazy of a person, like, first of all, that's racist. But like, second, how lazy do you have to be to not try and learn someone's name? Yeah, if you're on like a college campus, I feel like it's all about like, knowledge expanding like your culture so if you have like someone of a different culture with like a very cultural name I feel like you should take advantage like understand how to pronounce it if it's that simple as a name right it's not that hard and it's like before this call I even asked you Zhao how do you prefer to have your name pronounced is it Xiao or is it Zhao because I've heard it both ways because of the trip that we were on but you know the other people wouldn't really know how to pronounce it because but let me you know I digress but and you answered it and (laughs) and it's like it's my, my point is it's not hard like why why do you have to be so lazy and not try to learn a person's name it's a simple question so I think there's two sides to this. One is that they're afraid of offending me if they pronounce it wrong. So then they try to avoid it. And then the other side mm-hmm. of it is just, you know, downright, just I want to say it how I say it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong type of type of like, you know, viewpoint on it. Uh, but yeah, like I appreciate the people who like come up and just be like, hey, I don't want to pronounce your name incorrectly. Like, let me know how you want me to pronounce it. And that's the way I'll pronounce it. And honestly, on the name topic, I really struggled with this name, like a lot, a lot ever since I like got into school, because like no one knew how to pronounce it. And the reason I was given this name was because I'm te- I was technically born in China. But I'm an American citizen, because my parents were American citizens um, at the time when they had me. Um, so, you know, being born in China, my mom gave me a Chinese name. But my brother, very opposite of me. His name is Kevin. His name is Kevin on his birth certificate. <laughs> he is Kevin and forever will be Kevin. He does not have a Chinese name. But for me, I have a Chinese name. I don't have an English name. I just have a Chinese name. So we're very different. But he was born here. So that's why he's Kevin and I'm Zhao. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's just really weird. People always ask me, it's like, why is your brother named Kevin and your name's Zhao? With what happened here? Uh, but I struggled with the name because no one knew how to pronounce it. And at one point before I even got into college and before I graduated high school, I actually like really seriously sat my, my mom down. I was just like, hey, mom, um, I, I thought about it. And I think it might be better if we legally change my name and like shift my name. Yeah. Like shift my name to become my officially become my middle name and then give myself a new English name. So like, I don't have to like struggle in college. Like I did through like middle school, high school and elementary school. Like no one knew how to like pronounce it or whatever. Um, Yeah. I was really, really down to like change it. And my mom was like, she was okay with it because she's like, I, I don't want you to like struggle and if you really want to do this and I like I'll support you on it. But I ended up not changing my name. Um, the large part of the reason that I didn't change my name, I, th- I think it was like I talked to my friends about it and like my friends mm-hmm. knew how to pronounce my name. Like they're my friends. Um, and so they're like, why change your name? Like you're Zhao. Like why, why change it? You would be very different if you had a different name. And I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. And then one of my friends was like, yeah, I like your name. Like, why would you change it? Uh, which really like had me thinking. I was like, should I change it? Is there value to this? You know, is it just so... It, it makes it easier for other people to pronounce my name, like just to give them something easier to say. So at the end of the day, I chose not to uh, change my name. I just kept with it. I was just like, you know, it, you know, it, it's going to suck, but someone out there will pronounce my name, but they cared enough to pronounce it. Uh, and that, that was kind of the end of that, that whole train of thought. But I have tried this experiment once when I was in the New York City campus for just one semester. Um, I told, I told my fellow uh, classmates that you, my name is Zhao, but you can call me Ellie. And some of them took, took me up on the offer and called me Ellie. I remember that. Wait, yeah, really? Yeah. So they know, Wait. they know me oh, wow. by a different name, but like, you know, my name is my name. I never changed it. Yeah. You didn't tell, okay, okay, you didn't tell our classmates, like, our class, that your name, like, you can call me Ellie. No, I didn't. Was it our class? It was not your, it's not the study abroad class, no. Um, It was, like, the other classes I took, um, where I saw them, like, more often on a weekly basis. Uh, one of the professors, actually, mm-hmm. when I told him, because he was trying to pronounce my name during, like, the first week of class, um, he's like, oh, what's your name? And I was like, Zhao, but you can call me Ellie. The smile on his face when I said when I said he could call me Ellie, so bright, he was like, oh, perfect. It just writes it down real fast. I was like, oh, okay. Like, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> When you think about it, like so many, it's really common for a lot of Asian Americans to feel ashamed of certain aspects of their identity, whether it be just their culture or even their name. And they feel this need to change that in order to fit the needs or like the desires and the standards of society predominantly white standards. I definitely felt that growing up, um, 
I was born and raised in, I went to a really racially diverse school and people would really pick on me for being Asian. Like I remember this one time I was trying to play with this group of girls and this girl literally told me straight to my face, like you can't play with us cause you're Filipino. And like, damn, like that. And that like really, like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And it wasn't even just that, but Teachers in my elementary school even suggested that my mom puts me in this ESL, English as a Second Language Learning program, so that my accent could be corrected. Mind you, I was born and raised in America, and the first and only language that I fluently speak is English. So I don't know where she was getting this information from that I don't speak English fluently and that I can't speak English with like a proper accent like what and like my mom was so pissed she like fought her but she um, should yeah she should that was like one experience that I had. And then the classic experience of like bringing Filipino food into school for lunch. And then the white kids being like, "Ew, what the hell is that? Like, it looks weird. And because of those experiences, which I still carry today, um, I felt really ashamed of being Asian American, of being Filipino, that I wanted to deny aspects of who I was and my culture and assimilate to my white classmates and assimilate to white American culture because apparently if you're not white you're not like proper American in this country but I wanted to assimilate to my classmates And what was really jokes and what was really hurtful is that I would bring these instances of bullying and racism up to my teachers. And obviously, I I told my parents, like, I came home crying every day because I was bullied every day. And my parents obviously brought it up to the supers of my school. And we'd have to have, like, several teacher-parent conferences about the bullying that I was facing and the racism that I was facing by both the students and the administration, and nothing would be done about it. But come, like, Lunar New Year, like, the school would, like, decorate the school with, like, Chinese New Year's decorations and, like, teach us about Chinese New Year and, like like have everyone bring in like Chinese treats and I'm like y'all really don't care about the Asian kid that's getting bullied and like getting all this racist bullshit thrown at them but you're gonna like sit up here and like 
dress up for Chinese New Year and like design a dragon head. It's just so effed up. It's like you. Yeah, I see see that happening a lot. You like aspects. You love aspects of our culture. You love our food. You love the aesthetic of our clothes. You'll rip off the aesthetics of our clothes, rebrand it and repackage it as your own and like culturally appropriate it. But when it comes to defending one of us, it's like, where are you at? Like, you don't care about us, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's we're, like, only focusing on, like, the positive, the good things. And then once it comes down to, like, serious situations, like, oh, like, I'm just going to look past it. Like, it might be just, like, a one-time thing. Like, it's going to pass. But, hey, like, Chinese New Year, like, have some fucking, like, mooncakes or whatever. Like, it's going to make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. just seem to appreciate our culture whenever it's convenient for them. And it really does not go much deeper than that. It's very it's very hard for anyone to like have I don't I don't know if anyone has really experienced someone else like that really appreciate their culture that was like not from their community. Um talking about that I had a friend a really really close friend like I considered her one of my best friends in like middle school um she was very much into like anime and manga and like watching anime and manga when I like was like growing up um I, to me those were just cartoons I was like oh my god like cartoons right. like you like the same cartoons I do we're best friends um but little did I know like she she just like kind of used me for my culture um she didn't like she would subtly just do things that would would trigger me so like she'll come over my house and like we're hanging out we're having a good time and then the you know how you enter an asian household you take off your shoes like we don't want your dirty shoes yeah. all over our house she would just she would be like oh that that's new you know um she's white by the way just so everyone knows um and then um then we would like eat lunch right my mom would we had a restaurant um I was just like hey you know we're gonna eat lunch um I usually order from the restaurant and I pick it up and she's like okay cool we're eating just like Chinese American food and we bring it home and then I would be I was just trying to give her a utensil but the utensil I gave her was a chopstick it wasn't a fork and then she's just like oh chopstick I was just like, oh, do you need do you need a fork instead? Like, do you want the chopstick? And she's like, no. She's it's just so Asian of you. Like that phrase, she used it multitudes of times, and it was always emphasizing something I did subtly. And then she's just like, oh, that's so Asian. Oh, that's so Asian. Like, I I was like, okay, I understand. I, I am Asian. That's why I do these things. That's why I take off my shoes when I enter my home. That's why I use chopsticks when I eat. You know, like what? I, I don't understand. Like, why is it so surprising to you that I do these things? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I really, to this day, I I don't understand. She was like either appreciating my culture and like genuinely being friends with me, or she was just kind of using me as her like token Asian friend. Cause like there wasn't yeah. a lot of Asian kids in my school. So for her to like, I guess for her to figure out where all the like, um, like the H marts are, or like all the, the places that sell like the Asian stuff, like she wouldn't know she had to use me you know like she wants the good pocky she comes to me that's a weird concept (laughs) 
She can't Google any of this? Right? Like Google Maps? At, at the time, like, this is middle school. Boba, at Pocky. The time. It was, like, not popular. We live in a very white-ass town. I just, I cannot even emphasize how white we are in this town. Um, it's just, I can literally tell you all the Asian kids I went to school with on, like, my hands like and oh half of God. them half of them are only half asian because like their dad or mom is white and then some of them are adopted so they look full asian but like they were raised by a white mm-hmm. parent so like um i was also friends with one of them and i actually asked her i was just like oh you know being asian and you being adopted because her mom told me how like she adopted her and picked her up at the airport and all that and she's i was asking her i was like were you like ever interested in like your own culture you know and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. do you just do you do not identify with it even though like you look like someone from our like community or whatever um uh but obviously everyone's response is different and she was just like no i'm i'm not interested and and whatnot so I kind of like left it at that. And I, I, I assume the reason she answered that way was because she, she grew up the way she grew up. And also like in our community in that town, it's just like, oh, she she want she wanted to fit in. She wanted to be accepted. Then she's going to have to act a certain way. And I I've definitely felt that a lot. A lot of times I thought I was like, oh, you know, why can't I do the same things they do? You know, um, I should wear the same clothes that they do aka uggs um and (laughs) and so like i i did i did to a certain extent like i bought the uggs i wore the uggs you know Abercrombie and fetch get that north face go get that you know uh drink starbucks okay um okay but we love those things yes yeah (laughs) we appreciate we love the comfort we, we love those things yes but like when like when i first came to that town because I like moved uh, to that town I didn't dress the way everyone dressed um, I look mm-hmm. very fobby if I would say because my mom dressed me and like the clothes she picked out were not like American brands like she went to some store in Chinatown and bought them um, and like before then I, when I went to school I wore a uniform I had a navy shirt on top and I got khakis on the bottom so everyone dressed Girl. the same yeah and so I was just like <laughs> now now we have freedom freedom through our clothes through expression you know and I was just like I don't know I don't what do I what do I wear and my mom dressed me and I was just like okay cool this is what I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna wear and then the kids like they were like oh she she's different you know she's, she's not one of us <laughs> she's yeah different. yeah yeah yep mm-hmm. those were my experiences oh my god that's wow. I feel like for me, like not as intense, um, but I feel like it's almost like the opposite. Cause like, as I grew up again, really predominantly Asian community, everybody pretty much looks the same. It wasn't until like I went off to college and really when I started working, when I was like around people who look differently than me. And like from there, like that's when really like culture shock came in. Cause I'm around mm-hmm. people who like aren't really familiar with Asian culture. I yeah. am no longer around people who I can like relate to about certain things because like exactly. when you're in school like I don't know about you guys but like whenever there you see like another Asian you kind of just like gravitate towards them like just unexpectedly you always like go find the other Asian and you just like immediately connect but then like mm-hmm. when you're like working in like different places or at school like 
you don't really have that kind of person. So I feel like for me, I'm not like putting on like a fake like face, but like yeah, there's just things you had to just like almost like push back or like not share certain aspects because like again you want to like fit in you want people to think like you're weird you're just like I don't know some just weird Asian person who's in the office um so like definitely like like bringing lunches like I try not to bring anything that's like too out of the norm that could cause them weird smells um during conversations I know like if I mention certain things that probably you guys will understand but like they probably won't like any references like that's the case um but yeah like just going into like work I think that's like the biggest change in terms of like people I'm like surrounded with um but I haven't like experienced like anything that Zhao has to like that extent I don't know if it's because like again with the name thing if I do have like almost like an American-ish or common name in that sense so like people can kind of like easily pronounce it it's not as I don't know, confusing for other people. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, like, my experience with it, like, I don't know, I haven't experienced, like, anything, like, that harsh, but definitely, like, hearing other people, like, go through it, like, it definitely frustrates me and, like, makes me wonder about those other people, like, what was their thought process that, like, mm-hmm. made them say these certain things, like, out loud or, like, do these certain things, like, kind of just, like, what's in their mind. Yeah, like if they're saying, if they're comfortable saying these things out loud, mm-hmm. like what else is in their mind? Exactly. What else are they not saying? That's the scary part. And then you feel like you cannot trust them. But right. to your point about when you're in the workplace or maybe when you're in school and you see another Asian person and you kind of gravitate towards them because you feel a sense of belonging. You feel like you can relate. And again, like certain things, you feel like you don't have to explain certain things to them because they just get it. Whereas if it was someone outside of our race, like it would be hard for them to grasp or maybe it wouldn't. But it's just there's this mutual understanding that we have, like you, me, and Zhao have, like right away. And that's kind of like how we became friends. Well, I don't want to say we're we're fr- only friends because we're Asians, but because that's how we gravitated towards one another on the trip. Because like even when we were eating out with the rest of the class there were certain foods and certain ways of eating these foods that we are just so used to because like we grew up eating these foods. We grew up learning how to eat with chopsticks. We grew up, well, I grew up learning how to eat with my hands, eating on banana leaves, but to other people that's, you know, like foreign to them or like unusual to them which is valid because it is something different it's not every day that you see someone here like going to chipotle and they put your like burrito bowl on like a banana leaf (laughs) and then like yeah so um little things like that like we just don't have to explain these things to one another and like it brought up this idea of like code switching that I know that people 
who speak another language or people of like dual cultures, when we are around people outside of our race, let's just use white people because that's like what we've had to deal with in college. When we are around white people, we, again, like you said, we have to like push back on certain things. We kind of have to um, speak in a different way so that we are understood and that we are seen in a certain light, if that makes sense. Um, Yes. Talking about speaking in like a certain way, um, going back to what you said kind of like a bit earlier about the accent thing and how like your Mm -hmm. mom like you know, talk to school about it and whatnot. Um, my mom actually put me in, in these predominantly white schools for a reason. And it's so when I learned English, I wouldn't develop an accent because she knew she knew how people were being treated, especially like her herself, who has a slight accent whenever she speaks English. She knew it was not perceived well. And like time after mm-hmm. time, whenever someone does attempt to speak the English language and has a, like a slight accent, um, especially if it's like what some people call the Chinglish accent, the Chinese English accent, um, oh they're God. perceived as just like unintelligent, you know, because they couldn't say or pronounce certain words the the way we usually hear them. And so that's why she um, put me in predominantly white schools. And that's why I, I kind of like went through all those those scenarios um and also like in high school I was getting ready to like apply to colleges and stuff so I I met up with my guidance counselor and I like spoke to her for like the very first time ever and I was just speaking like I normally would and I I was just being myself and then at the very end of our conversation she's like wow your English is so good like you you don't have an accent or anything and I'm like I was like very very confused because I was just like this is the way I sound always so I don't I don't understand yeah. uh, but I, I I was just like more or less shocked at the time I didn't know how to like absorb that comment so I was just like okay I guess it's a compliment thank you I, I guess but I was just like why would you think I, I didn't know that, especially if you knew I went to the to the middle school all the other middle schoolers came from, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it just it, I don't I don't understand the the people that like make fun of others if they have an accent, especially if they're bilingual, trilingual, whatever. They like that's amazing. I like regret yeah. not learning Chinese. Like I should because that's useful like I know like I understand it like I can watch a full-on movie in Mandarin and I got it but like I can't read or write anything like you give me give me the characters and I can't tell you what's what um and I can attempt speaking it conversationally but I like a very beginner level and it's because for so long I've been like out of practice and then whenever I speak to my mom some people find this really weird by the way um she would speak to me either in Mandarin or in her dialect, and I would understand mm-hmm. it 100%. And then I would just reply back to her in English, and then she would understand it. And they're like, this is, what is going on? Like, what, you guys are speaking two languages to each other, and we're just like, this is how we communicate. This is, has been it forever. And, like, it started way back when I was in, like, kindergarten. My mom was trying to, like, learn English and she couldn't but I was like you know going to school and learning it so she's like okay Mm -hmm. talk to me in English and that's how it started yeah yeah 
Aw. That's kind of like me with my mom, except, you know, like English in the Philippines is very widely spoken. Like it is taught in schools. And as a matter of fact, like apparently in schools, you can only speak English to one another in the classroom. And if you speak like Tagalog or whatever dialect, um, you get punished for it, apparently. So um, but kind of similar situation to you, Zhao, where um, my mom will speak to me in Tagalog or the other dialect, which is Ilocano. And like, I'll understand bits and pieces of it and then like reply in English. Um, So like, you're not alone in that. But yeah, girl, the whole thing about you speak really good English. Like, what did you expect? I think it went, again, I think it went back to like my name being a non-English name. And she's like, oh, she's probably not born here. She probably like came here between the whatever time and then like now she's starting or continuing her education here in america but like that's not true i just i just have a chinese name and i had it for a while and i like all my schooling was done in the u.s but like some people go under the perception that i either came here midway or like um fresh off the boat so i don't i don't speak the language because like one of our accounting professors actually thought i didn't speak english um and it was because he was picking on people to answer questions in class and like i'm not good at accounting i'm a marketing major you know just just, (laughs) no um so i was just like i paused for a moment tried to figure out how to answer his question because i was just like wait how do i like how do i do this and then i just paused for like a quick second and then he kind of like she's like okay never mind and then he picked on a different student so i was just like okay cool he just chose not to like embarrass me in front of the whole class so cool and then at the end of the class he kind of like asked me to talk to him and I did and he he's like oh is is like English not your first language like it's totally okay like I can help you if you need help and like actually I'm learning Chinese so maybe we can help each other and at that point like I was just like wait what um okay and uh, so I think maybe low-key it might have been my fault because his um he asked a question and he's like is English like your first language um and you know, just reaction wise, I said no, because like Mandarin was technically my first language. It's just I'm more fluent in English. Um, yeah. And so I was just like, wait, I should have took that back, but I didn't. And it led to that conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just like, OK, just think I don't speak English. So the rest of the semester, I don't have to answer any of your questions. I just going to come in, take your <laughs> course, take your class, do your homework and then leave. Uh, but yeah, that was a conversation. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing with microaggressions. Like, those are what microaggressions are. And the thing with them is that you can't really prove that they are racist because they come in the disguise of, like, backhanded compliments or, like, as something – with good intentions like oh i'm trying to help you but in a way it's like gaslighting you the victim so although he was like trying to help you by saying like oh like i'm learning chinese like we can help one another it's like you're a but he's like assuming that you can't speak english at all 
um, which is really damaging and just flat out wrong. Like you should never assume anything. You should always ask. And there's always a polite way and a respectful way of asking rather than just like assuming that, oh, this person can't speak English because they're Asian. It's just so ridiculous. But the, God. the most shocking part is that that's not the first time someone thought I couldn't speak English. Like there Same. were there were other incidents, uh, which yeah. was kind of insane because this one, this other incident, I was I actually called him racist, like outright. I called him racist because um, we Tea? we bought. OK, so my parents like used to live in Philly. Then we moved. Then we came back and bought a house. And this is their retirement home. This is the home they want to retire to whenever me and my brother was, were done with college. Um, and then, so we bought the house, we were doing renovations or whatever. And, but our neighbor were like this white couple and they, we didn't have any issues with them. We were just doing construction and then we were just, you know, putting on like a new sidewalk walkway thing. We like paved a new one. And then ours was slightly like slanted because, um, one of them was facing towards the basement window. Right. So we slanted it. So whenever rain water came, it would go towards the middle of the the pathway and then we'll go down the pathway um so our basement or wouldn't get flooded or that window area wouldn't get flooded so he got really upset that we slanted it because he's like oh now all the rainwater is going to come towards my house and like my basement and but the thing is his window it was blocked by a uh, garden bed like they had a garden they planted plants in front of their their little basement window and although the ground was flat they had like soil to absorb the water and all the excess water it's like concrete so it would eventually like lead out to the streets but he wasn't happy with like what we did so he started cursing um very like to himself he was cursing and he's like what the fuck like uh, this shit it's not gonna it's not gonna work it's not gonna like whatever and then i was just sitting there like uh, mind you i'm 15 i'm still in high school i was just sitting uh, on on my steps and i was waiting for my mom to put things away so we can go grab dinner and then he started just cursing a storm and then i was just like staring at him because i was just like what the fuck that's our neighbor um and yeah. he looks at me he like turns and then looks at me and he's like oh where's the owner of the house because he like knew about he knew my mom kind of mm. she, he knew that she owns the house but he didn't like I was never there before so he didn't know who I was so he's like where's the owner of the house and then I was just in other utter shock that he he said all of that and then that's how he acted like this is a grown-ass man he's like probably 50 or 60 and I was just like really in shock so I again did not I was like I didn't say anything because I was just absorbing everything that was going on and he's like right. oh of course you can't speak English and he got all mad and flustered and whatever and then so I, I was I then I like snapped out of it I was just like wait here so I went to go grab my mom you know I should have like cursed him out at the on the spot but I went to go get my mom <laughs> you're I like wait out. here right yeah, I was just like house. I was like wait and I was just like mom like come here uh and so she came and then he started yelling at my mom and but my mom can't like oh my God. yeah like my mom can't like curse him back like she could but like she couldn't but um so I was just like why the fuck are you so mad I was just like it won't 
freaking flood your basement. We're not like we're not Florida. We don't get hurricanes all the time. Like we don't even have Word. that much like heavy rainfall. How is it going to flood your basement? Your basement's also covered by a, like a flower bed. It's going to absorb the water and it's a slight slant. It's not like a freaking like I don't know, 90 degree angle. Like it's go there. <laughs> I was like, what? Um, and yeah. And it, he was just like, no, this is not going to work. And then, he, then he goes inside to his house angry. Then his wife comes out and then she comes up to us and she's just like, Hey, I don't want this to get bigger than it is. She's like, I really don't want to take you guys to court and whatever. And like at that comment, I just like, I was like, what the fuck? Because um, this woman is basically threatening to take us to court over us doing something to our own property. Like, we own this shit. We can do what we want to this shit, right? And she's like, oh, did you get that approved? Did you go to the city and, like, get get a permit to get that done or whatever? And I was like, we mm-hmm. went to yeah, I was like, we went to the city. We asked if we needed a permit. They said no. So we did our shit. And she's like, I don't want to take you to court and sue you guys or whatever. And I was just like, oh, take us to court take us to court what are you gonna do like at that point in time i was just very very angry at them and they i think she, the reason she threatened to sue was because she thought we weren't american citizens so we would be afraid to be taken to court but i was just like no take us to court like we'll fight you um and then her her husband came back out and started cursing again and then at that point in time he's just like why are you doing this yada 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 and then he started like i don't know how it led to this conversation because it's been a while but he started putting pointing out right. all the other houses in that in that block that were owned by Asian people. Like he started he's like, there's one over there, there's one over there, there's one over there. And I was just like, you're racist. And he he was like, what? No. How why would I be racist? Like what did I do that would make you think I'm racist? I was like, you pointed out all the Asian houses on this block. What why would you do that? Why? Like what's what's the explanation of pointing out their houses? It has nothing to do with our dispute over this cement piece of thing. Like what? And he he kept on denying it. And at one point, I think he really really did want to fight me. But he's like, "How old are you?" And I was like, "I'm 15." And then that's when he cooled off because he knew he couldn't fight a 15 year old girl. Because if he tried, um, there could be issues. But yeah, I was just like, "You're racist." Yeah, and I was just like, "You're racist." And and then they went back in and they're like, "Okay, well, well, we're gonna take you to court." I was like, "Okay, take us to court." And they never did because they can't. They can't. They really can't. They have no nothing. Nothing valid to take us to court on. So I was just like, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I was right. like so mad. Just the whole interaction beginning to end from him just being ballistic in the beginning was just cursing at a, a sidewalk and then going to his wife trying to threaten us by saying that she they're going to sue us for this. Um, and, and yeah, it's just went all over the place. And at the end of the day, I was just like, you're racist. <laughs> uh, end of story. That's insane. I mean, like the audacity and just like the self entitlement of them to just like bring up all these allegations to you. I mean, like over literally like a cement block. Like, yeah, and I I don't even know why. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, it's just literally slanted a little bit. Um, I don't understand. And then he's he like at the, I think at the very end of the conversation, he's like, I'll fix this and sort of like a threat to like him taking up like a hammer or sledgehammer or whatever and like destroying what we just did to our property. Um, Oh my God. Thankfully, he never did that. But after that whole interaction, my mom was like, 
we need security cameras. And I'm like, yeah, we do. And then we even got to a point because um, he did, that neighbor did a bunch of other stuff. We even got to a point where we're like, oh, we might just have to sell this home because we cannot live next to these people. Like we would not be able to live peacefully next to these people. Oh, <laughs> Wait, you're AKA, like in Philly right now. No, right? different house, different house. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Wait, that was in Long Island, right? No, that was that was in Philly. Uh, yeah. Because I know Long Island people have a rep for doing that shit too. Yes, so. yes, they do. Um, yep. Mostly, <laughs> mostly in like the east side. Not not really where I live, but like also some of them are subtle. They they do microaggressions too. You just don't know. It's just of like comes up here and there yeah i hear things girl i got people out in long island i hear things yeah it's nasty but yeah like i don't know it's trash it really is trash but that's like good for you like you should i feel like it takes a lot of courage and like just balls to like confront racism like I definitely like you in the workplace it's even worse because when you're experiencing that you are like you're like it's a little bit more like sensitive I feel like because you're getting paid to do a job and like you don't want to bring up any like allegations that could like hinder your relationship with your coworkers if like yeah. it can cost you your job basically and like your ability to like do your job in that case and so like in the workplace it's also like harder to like prove things too I feel like I mean not not with receipts you know right now everyone has to message right. me Word. so <laughs> if you want to be racism calling you out I know Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had my fair share in the workplace. When I worked in real estate, oh my God. Um, We'd have like weekly meetings and there was this one client that my boss had. His last name is Wong. Um, And every time we would sit down and talk about his client – He'd be like, oh, how's how's my client Wong Tan Soup? It's like, really, bro? Like, why do you have to why do you have to say that? Especially since I am the only Asian in the room. The ignorance, like the pure ignorance that my coworkers had too. Like they were so convinced that Asians ate dog and they would like me- make dog eating jokes I'm like bruh and I remember like this one time my coworker, I don't know what the flow of the conversation was but we just so happened to be talking about Asians eating dog or something and I was in the room and this woman was basically like oh yeah they really do eat dogs over there in China they really do eat dog I'm like sis like really i'm here i'm right here why do you why would you have the audacity to say that in front of me the only asian person in the room and number two what makes you so comfortable in saying that out loud and even thinking that in the first place but what i was gonna say is like to sammy's point like you are 
like if you're even gonna confront racism in the workplace, like you are willing to take the risk to compromise your own job. And also you're like you have to like take power dynamics at play very seriously because if there are other people in your work environment that don't agree with you and that even disagree with you, it's not going to go well for you. Um, And like, it's unfortunate, but I'm also lucky to be at a company now um, where I'm currently working, where um, our company does take anti-racism very seriously. And it's like so unheard of for a company to give their employees mental health days off when certain things happen. Like for my company, for example, the CEO was like, um, to our Asian employees, we know what's going on um, with all the hate crimes. If you guys need a mental health day off, like just take it, just take it. And he's like been really... He's been really willing to lend us an ear and hear our own experiences. So um, I'm happy that there are companies that are socially conscious like that. Um, But definitely like in other industries, other corporate industries, they do not give a shit. Yeah. Do you guys have ERGs, employee resource groups? Kind of. I don't think my company does. No, I don't like I've never like for the seven months that I've been like working at a corporate company, like we've done very little to have any kind of like mental health days or support for people of color when it comes to any of these situations. I mean, like most recently, I just got the news that I had to like go back into the office starting next month. And like, yeah, so like I would have to commute back into Westchester, like driving and, like, since working from home, like, my morning schedules, like, have changed up because now I drop off my mom in the morning because I want her to be safe. I don't want her to be, like, taking public transportation if, like, mm-hmm. these things are going to be happening. And so um, during my most recent conversation with one of my managers, like, I kind of, like, hinted at that. But then, like, she didn't understand, like, what I was, like, hinting at. So, like, I don't know if she was aware that like there are Asian hate crimes or kind of acknowledge like my situation. Um, luckily, like she was very accommodating. We're able to like work around like my schedule to like maneuver like our work hours so I could drop my mom off in the morning, still go back to work and make that commute. But still, I feel like with like corporate companies, like we had to like start making these discussions more open and yes. like being like allow these conversations to be a little bit more comfortable like in whatever setting because I feel like when we talk about like hate crimes now it's almost like I don't want to say taboo but that's just like the first thing that comes to mind like it's something that it's there but like we don't want to talk about it's almost like talking about sex in the workplace like we know what's happening everybody goes through it but then like we don't want to talk about because it's like unprofessional in some ways yeah we don't want to raise like any controversy but then like it's stuff that is happening and we acknowledge it and like yeah, we have people like in the community who are experiencing these things. So like, why not talk about it? 
questions. Yes. So I have, uh, for my company, I have a different like point of view of what how they addressed it and everything. So um, we have employee resource groups, ERGs, uh, within like the larger holding company that we have, and then we have some within my company itself um, that like when. The Black Lives Matter movement was going on. You know, they they addressed it up front. They hold um, town hall meetings with everyone in in the company to really like talk about it. They invited the ERG group to come and speak to our employees um, about it, addressing sort of like the issues and like the held safe room conversations. If you were available, you could join their safe room conversation and like listen in on what's going on. And with the recent hate crimes and things that were happening, um, you know it. It took some time, for sure. It did not like come up right away. It took some time, um, you know, corporate style. Got to do some paperwork. Got to get get things together. Uh, but they mm-hmm. did like address it in emails and stuff. And then they also held safe rooms for people to come talk about it, um, especially those in the Asian community that were working for the company that were having a hard time. Like it was sort of like a meeting for everyone to come together, share their experiences, share what they're going through, what they're thinking about and and stuff like that, which I found like incredibly helpful, um, especially since like it's really hard because what if you work on on a team like mine where there are not a lot of like Asian colleagues that you maybe could speak to. Um, So having those meetings and having those safe rooms were just a good a good way to sort of address the problem at hand and not like pretend that the world outside doesn't exist and like yeah. these things aren't happening and it's just like do your work like no they they addressed it and they they let us know there's resources for us to go to if we ever so like need those resources um they did have a meeting uh where they had speakers um within the company come forth and talk about their experiences and it was a very like powerful meeting because the people that came to speak uh, spoke on their personal experience encountering these hate crimes within like the last few months. Um, And because they held it on a larger platform, there were definitely people that joined that weren't just part of the API community, that there were people outside also listening in that are our allies. And um, I think that's just a step towards the right direction um you know a lot of the times don't you see on instagram the people reposting stop asian hate at the very beginning they were also they were also asian you know um and it wasn't until a little bit later when it started picking up steam that other people were like oh this this thing is going on we need we need to talk about it yeah yeah for sure like silence is part of the violence and if we want to address racism or see these changes, we have to open our mouths. And I know as like Asians, we've kind of been taught, oh, just just suck it up and like put your head down and it'll all eventually pass. And which is why we have this stereotype of us being like so submissive and being silent when really now that's not the case anymore. We are like out here making noise and telling our stories, but are people really listening? But again, with the whole allyship, it did uh, like what really got me angry 
was all of these hate crimes have been happening to us at the beginning like of the pandemic and even before. But I'm glad that people are speaking out about it now, especially people who are outside of our community. But it's like, are you only speaking up now because it's trending? And like, it hurts me even more that people who do love our culture and like study abroad in our home countries they have nothing to say when these things are happening and you guys know exactly what I'm alluding to it's just so important to like speak up for one another and if you really ride for us like fucking speak up is that's what I'm just trying to say for sure like if you feel like in this case like if you see something, say something, and really just do something. If you ever see, like, or hear any racist comments, like, around you, whether it's your colleagues or your friend groups, like, really acknowledge it, bring that to attention, and just let them know, like, how it's wrong, and really just call them out for it. Because, like, if they don't know, like, that it's wrong, then they're just going to continue to do it, and think it's totally fine. And then especially, like, if, like, it continues to go on, and you don't address it, like, what's going to happen next, you know? They're going to show other people, right? It's going to be like a domino effect. Other people are going to listen to it. They're going to think it's okay. It's just going to be like a never-ending cycle. Yeah. I also wish that in school growing up, we had more talks about racism and received more anti-racist, maybe like education or classes, but you know damn well that in college, if that even happened, it would just, it would not fly. It would not fly at all. I'm glad that my company is putting in the effort to hold like anti-racist um, trainings for the employees. And like I sit through them and I'm like, wow, like I wish I had this growing up in school. I, like I wish I had this at least in college so that I didn't have to go through all the, the bullshit that I had to go through. At the same time, I'm not grateful for all the bullying I've been through, but I'm also kind of glad that it gave me this uh, this sense of perspective of that, like, I know what it's like to feel racism. I know what it's like to feel different and to feel isolated and to feel like I don't belong here because another struggle that we have as Asian Americans is that we are seen as foreign. We are seen as un-American because we do not conform to white standards and Eurocentric beauty standards and whatever American standards. And so like, like, where do we belong? Do we belong more on our Asian side? But even then, we are rejected by that side because it's like, oh, you're not really Filipino. Like, you were born in the States. You're American. Like, you don't even mm-hmm. speak Tagalog, so you're not right. you're not really Filipino. But then when it's like here, it's like, ha, 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 chink. And it's just, well, not literally, but it's right. like you feel different. Yeah. I think for, like, it, Chinese people, we call, like, ABCs. So, like, if we were to go back into the mainland, they're going to know, like, all right, this kid is, like, Americanized. When they speak Chinese, like, they have the whole American accent. They pick it off, like, when the first, like, sentence that you speak. So, like, in the mainland, we're probably, like, not as welcome. But then in the States, it's like, 
all right, yeah, like you're Chinese American, not just like American. You got some ethnicity to you. That, that, I don't even know how to speak to that. Cause like I tried, I tried so hard to communicate with my grandparents. It's so hard. Do you know how hard it is when we're trying to speak? the same language but one of us is really <laughs> struggling really really bad because like there are hops to you there, yeah there are times i'm trying to like say a word and i just can't find the word in my brain because it no longer exists in my brain it like got erased 15 years back and i just i don't know i don't know i forgot like i was asking my grandma for something right i was asking her to like give me something uh i think it was like a fruit or something i forgot the name a fruit. <laughs> um, yeah, I forgot the name. So, like, at the end of the day, I struggle, but I can't speak English to her because she she won't understand it. So I just I just have to use hand gestures and just be like that. The pointing at that thing is like, give that to me. Exactly. Like, how do you <laughs> hand gesture like a fruit, like an apple? You just like. Well, the fruit was like sitting <laughs> on the counter, so I was just like pointing at it i was just like please give me that that thing yeah but like it's just yeah going back just to the language thing it's just so much harder because um what you call it like there's a disconnect between me and my grandparents because i don't speak the same language Mm. like you know if your grandparents speak the same language as you maybe you guys can like bond over certain like uh, sports or something you know something of of interest but like if there is a language barrier there's very little to talk about and like the only thing you can do is really just just be there and just be like yeah like we have you're related we're family that and and it's it saddens me because I was like oh there was there was an opportunity for me to be able to connect with them on a deeper level but unfortunately like uh time has gone and it's been so long and I it's gonna it's going to be a real struggle to try to figure that all out again. Um, And it Mm kind of just goes, ties back into like me wanting to be more white or just wanting to fit in, not necessarily be white, just feel accepted. And um, that kind of just led me to just low key destroying my identity that I had before and just not acknowledging it. But then like uh, through high school, through college, uh, through Asian Student Union, I like really built it back up again. I was just like, hey, like I am Asian. That is me. I can't erase that part of me that will forever be me. And I just need to learn to appreciate it and appreciate what 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 I have and the things that my culture brings, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like ultimately like why we kind of started Asian student union on our campus because like beforehand there wasn't like any kind of Asian association clubs for any Asian students to kind of participate in and so like with our group of friends at the time like that was like our plan towards the end of freshman year we wanted to start the club we were pretty much like the whole clan of Asian freshman kids (laughs) at that time (laughs) so we all just like grouped together like literally in the dorm room of Zhao and I where everybody just like came in and out of every single day we're like literally the little clubhouse and just like sprouted from there we ultimately just like want like a place where all the Asian students on our campus can just like hang out be connected with each other even if like we don't speak the same languages um, it's just somewhere like we can connect if there's like yeah. any students who are just like interested in learning about our culture they have like things that we um, share the same interests with we could just come in here have like a cool space to hang out and we ultimately had events um, one of our Lunar New Year events like got over like 160 kids like within the first hour so that was wow. like insane um, yeah like campus literally loved us at that time we were just like 
we were riding like off. literally yeah. so that wow. was so much fun it was such a good time like really happy about the results that we got like during our time on campus that like we were on like the e-board and everything and I think like it really did like boost the community of like the Asian students and like the non-Asian students who are just interested in learning about our culture um made it like a huge impact on campus so that was like a really cool to experience um but you know like just after that it kind of just felt like eh, like the excitement just kind of died down afterwards yeah well damn I wish I had that like on my campus like we did have like different Asian affinity groups on um our campus like there was um a group called Filipino Youth International and then my my girl Elena, um, she's like the president of GKTE, which is a uh, the Korean club um, on campus. But damn, I wish I had known you guys back then, and I wish you guys like oh my were on my campus. <laughs> I would have joined. I feel like I really if missed you came out. over to our campus. It would have been so much fun if you came over to our campus for our events. Like our events were everything. Everybody look forward to our events specifically because, like, I don't know, everybody else, like, their events are pretty much trash. Like, you go in oh, there, like, they spend gee. probably, like, three – no, literally, like, budget-wise, like, this is why <laughs> we do the finances in most cases because we know how to budget. We know how to manage things. So, like, what, for that Lunar New Year event, we had, what, cotton candy machines, a whole – um fortune cookie making bunnies. fortune we had fortune cookie wow. making. yeah we got like vietnamese food catered we had boba there so many like arts and craft activities so it was so much fun like everybody loved it we had like music going on in the back you could decorate your own lanterns however you like we had this like instagram photo wall that you could take pictures at and like people overall just enjoyed the event like it wasn't anything too grand or fancy we literally took like supplies we had from like last year and then we added some new things on top of that like some vendors and stuff to come in and mm-hmm. we just like put it together and like we wanted to celebrate lunar new year because like we know that we don't get off for lunar new year you know some public schools do but some usually do not so like we go to school during this time and like we wanted to celebrate it on campus for like those students who couldn't go home and celebrate it with their families you know they they everyone celebrates it in a different way and we just wanted an event to do that and that's what we uh, accomplished um and we like it wasn't just like east asian um which call it East Asian holidays, you know, we had holy, um, an Indian holiday. Um, and everyone loved it. We got like the colored powders that you can like throw at each other. Um, and we had like a whole banquet of food and stuff like that. And it was just very simple. It's like buy the powder, play some music, get the food and then time date, you know, just show up. And like, we got t-shirts with like our logos on it. And we gave, we like got a hundred and like gave them out. And it's like, okay, ha- like have fun, frolic in a field, throw powder at each <laughs> other, like let Literally. loose, like just do your thing. Um, yeah. And oh like after, after we left the e-board, cause like we graduated and stuff, um, there were events that we kind of 
low-key kind of planned it ahead of time with the new e-board. Like they went to Chinatown and they visit the Chinese American uh, History Museum, which I think unfortunately is no longer there because right. there was a fire. It burned down. Yeah, but they went they went before that happened and they got to it was a small like museum, but they got to like you know experience it firsthand and then like they went to go get um, food afterwards in Chinatown and so like there were other things that that went on and I'm like really glad we did that like it was a lot of work let me tell you we sat through 10-hour meetings for some reason I don't know we were not productive in those 10-hour meetings but we we sat through (laughs) those meetings we we did things we went to those boring finance meetings because we had to uh, to pull all these events together. And it was just like, we weren't like, you're, this is a club. You're not getting paid to do it. You're doing it because you love and you want to do it. So uh, I'm glad we were able to do that. And I can't believe we did that on top of schoolwork, on top of actually having a part-time job uh, wow. and like trying to find internships and whatever. But like, you know, we, we did it. And like, I appreciate how we were able to pull together and do it and the people that came to our events and actually enjoyed them. Wow. We love the hustle. We love when Asian <laughs> women boss up. So like, wow. Damn. Goddamn. I was on the wrong campus. Why didn't you guys bring the party to us? We tried to collab with people in NYC. Like, let me tell you, we tried. Oh, we did, but they never respond to us. <laughs> we literally got left on red for like how many clubs? A lot. Wow. A lot. Wow. That's trash. But yeah. good for you guys. That's amazing. As a way to wrap up, this is something that I, I've thought about, but what does it mean to be Asian American? To me personally, being Asian American, it means being a mix, like a mix of like the Asian culture that you inherited from your parents or your grandparents and a mix of the current environment that you are living in and the culture and like that you're surrounded by. And appreciating both really because like you are part of both you can't have one without the other that is essentially you like I can't go to China and be be like Chinese like that's not me I don't even speak the language that well but I still identify with those who have come from China because they share the same like cultural background that I grew up with like we celebrate Lunar New Year's you know we uh, my mom is not like Buddhist she's like Taoist so like Mm -hmm. I celebrate that religion but maybe not as strongly as someone from there celebrates like they go they'll go to like the temple or whatever but like I don't do that because I don't have a temple near me but that that's still part of my culture and I still identify with that but in American culture yeah I love the American food the pop culture that goes on here like you know I I still appreciate all that so it's definitely being Asian American and for me, it's just being the mix of both. And without the other, I'm I'm not me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I totally agree with that. Like, having the aspect of two cultures into one just, like, really just identifies, like, who you are. Um, just carrying on, like, also, like, the legacy of, like, the um, Asian culture and, like, what your family, like, has carried over into the states and like just like your ancestry and stuff like that um like all the traditions just like withholding that 
um, passing it on to like future generations because like that's like important information that like you don't want to have forgotten like being over here like essentially America is like such a huge mix now there's like there's really no true like American like exactly there's like just so many discussions like who came here first or like who was already here before other people got here like there's no like true like American so I feel like just identifying like Asian is like my culture American is just like where I'm from so I'm in America but I'm also Asian or Chinese so that's the culture I identify with but then where I'm located right now is just so happens to be America I love that my definition or my answer to that and I've given this a lot of thought it's pretty similar to yours in one of my episodes that I did with my friend Elena it was um called growing up Asian American I basically summarized it as like being an Oreo cookie you can't have an Oreo without the cream and you can't have an Oreo without the cookie. You have to have them together. And that's what I am. But oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. That's so cringy. But (laughs) yeah, it's like being of dual cultures, you can't have one without the other. Both things make me whole. And another thing that I thought about a lot is to be Asian American is to be misrepresented and underrepresented and feeling the need that I have to represent for everyone else. This was a really good discussion. I think we like went through a lot of topics. We did. Yeah. This um, was really good. Yeah, ultimately, like if anything happens, if you see anything, say something, step up to it. I think it's just be an ally, you know, support where you can, like, even if it's just as little as spreading the awareness online, like these, these issues are happening. And if you can donate or support the businesses that are struggling because of the things going on. For sure. And support Chinatown, support your locally owned, locally Asian owned businesses, like have these conversations with your friends within the workplace if you can. And don't be silent about it. Silence is violence. On that note, thank you ladies for being on this episode. I know this past month and few weeks has been really traumatizing to all of us and these are really hard issues to speak about but like I honestly appreciate you guys for being on here and like also for like coming through to the protest with me last week like you guys are the goat for that so thank you I love you guys always love you thank you so much for having us on yeah thank you for informing us but you guys heard it here first I will catch you in the next episode. So until then, stay tuned. Thank you, guys.